We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is March 28th, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, the North Carolina Tar Heels are going to the Final Four. I called it during the opening round against Marquette. You and Kevin laughed at me. And here we are. They're in the Final Four. You can add whatever context you want. That's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fine. Um, they, hey, they, they beat Baylor. And that's that's when they, they, when, they when they beat Baylor, I was like, hmm, okay. North Carolina might, uh, might get themselves a, a seat in the national championship eventually. And um, it's it's looking good for the Tar Heels. They're not playing like an eight seed, although I'm a little irritated with the Tar Heels right now because we we were all peacocks today. If you weren't a Tar Heel, so uh, to to see St. Peter's go down by you know to lose by twenty um, is what it is. But you've got a stud you know a star studded just like historical Final Four. You've got North Carolina and Duke and Villanova, Kansas. Um, I think it should be interesting right now. The opening lines, Jonathan, Kansas favored by four right now. Duke four and a half point favorite. Um, so it'll be interesting. Those are going to be on Saturday. I'm 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 excited to to kind of see who who ends up playing the national championship. You wanna you wanna give a, a prediction? You're gonna put your Tar Heels in the championship, right? I no. want to very badly. However, yeah. I'm now wishing that the Tar Heels did not win coach k's final home game at cameron indoor yeah might come back to get um, you yeah it's like one of hard those hard to beat a good team beat twice a team, in a row it, exactly so um you know I, I just think the way that caleb love has been playing in the tournament has just been a revelation i mean yeah. he's obviously like the game against ucla 27 in the second half was incredible if he can play like that against duke you know obviously tar hills are going to be tough to beat but um yeah i'm excited i would love to know uh, what kind of wager Cole and Wendell are going to have on yeah. this game? Obviously, the UNC and, and the Duke alums. But what's crazy to me is that they've never, UNC and Duke have never played mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. And now they're playing in the Final Four. That's yeah. pretty wild. It's like, it's not hyperbole or like an exaggeration or being a prisoner of the moment to say this is the most important game in the history of the rivalry, mm-hmm. which is a crazy thing to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, no it, doubt. To me, it's 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 one of the best rivalry, rivalries in sports. It's right up there with you know Yankees Red Sox. Like yeah, it's it's so a well it's, known. It's going to be exciting, very exciting. I'm sure the ratings for the game will be great. Yeah, absolutely. So that'll that'll be eight forty nine Eastern on Saturday, uh, right after the Villanova Kansas game. Yeah, we got a pretty good UFC card coming up too. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna kind of jump not jumping back and forth, but you know I'll be having some screens. UFC card. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. oh, yeah. at uh, let's let's see. Yeah, the Korean Zombie and Volkanovski, huh? Yep, for the title. Yeah, believe all Jermaine Sterling yeah. and uh, Pure Young. Peter Young, yep, for the title. Cosmot fights Gilbert Burns. Cosmot. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Uh, yeah. There's a there's 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 some fights on there for sure. I'm yeah I'm excited to see kind of what happens there too. Man, what a, a what a weekend! Night. I'm ready yeah, for gonna be, ready for the weekend. Be a doozy. I'm already ready I'm either going to be I'm either going to be buying a, you know, national championship shirt in a couple weeks here. I'll be buying a final four shirt. I mean, You're either way I'm getting a new something. shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, Luke, really quickly before we jump into the tankathon, uh, we want to shout out our wonderful wonderful patrons. Wonderful. Uh wonderful. You guys are so wonderful. So wonderful. Our wonderful patrons. Uh <laughs> thank you guys so much for supporting us financially. We really 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 appreciate it. Oh. Um yeah, really appreciate you guys so much. I'm I'm not gonna do the voice for all these patrons. Shout out Court Thank Cousins, you. Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Julio Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines. You guys are amazing. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. We literally would not be able to do this without you guys. If you are interested in supporting the show and getting a shout out on each of our episodes, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. We have three separate tiers. Every little bit counts and we shout out every patron, no matter what tier you subscribe to. Again, really, really appreciate all of our patrons. Luke, we're going to spend some time this episode talking about the NBA lottery and the odds and you know, kind of how it all you know comes out in the wash and everything like that. But before we do, we are going to go ahead and run a tankathon, which is the uh, 2022 NBA Draft Lottery Simulator. You can find it at tankathon.com if you want to run your own lottery simulation. Uh, you get to run it once, and then you have to share your results. Those are the rules. People that have been following us on Twitter, we've been posting uh, our daily tankathon simulation recently, and it has not been going well for the Magic. Somebody actually tweeted us and said, if you guys are ever asked by the team to represent the Magic the Lottery, for all of us Magic fans, please say no. That's how bad our tankathon luck has been so far. We're going to go ahead and run this one more time. Um, if you're not familiar, again, tankathon.com. It's an online draft lottery simulator. Right now, Detroit Pistons are in the top spot. Um, the farthest they could fall would be the fifth pick. Um, the Magic can fall right now as far as six, but it's Detroit, Orlando, Houston, and then OKC. Detroit, Orlando, Houston are all 20 and 55 right now. OKC is 21 and 53. Detroit, Orlando, Houston, the top three spots, all have a 52.1% chance of ending up in the top four and a 14% chance of ending up with the number one overall pick. Drum roll, please. We're going to sim this lottery, Luke. Why is this taking so long? Maybe it's my internet. I'm at a, a new recording location. Um, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you'll notice I'm not in the same location. And the magic fell all the way to six with Washington jumping 10 spots to the number one overall pick. Portland dropped, uh, jumped five spots to number two. And then um, Oklahoma, somehow Houston, Oklahoma City, 
Well, Houston, I guess, dropped down two spots. Oklahoma City jumped or stayed in the top four. And then Detroit and Orlando dropped to five and six. So that is an absolute nightmare scenario. Washington, Portland, Houston, Mm. OKC, Detroit, Orlando. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So this is why people don't want us, you know, being there for the ping pong balls because our luck so far when we run these has been absolutely terrible. I think we ended up with like five twice, four once. We got two once, yep. and now we've got sixth. So, yeah, not really ideal, folks. Not great. Not great at all. All right, folks, right now we're going to run mm-hmm. down the weekly state of the Orlando Magic. So this week, your Magic went one and two with a win on Tuesday at home versus Golden State. And then a loss on Wednesday at Oklahoma City, 118-102. to And then last night, we're recording this Sunday, uh, but Saturday, they lost to Sacramento at home in overtime, 114-110. to Again, the Magic are 20-55. and um, They're right there in terms of you know standings, worst record in the league. Uh, right now, they're actually below Detroit in the standings. I'm get, guessing that's based off of some kind of head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, and in terms of the entire league, the Magic right now have the worst record in the league. Houston's just above them, and then Detroit is there. But in the case of a tiebreaker, you know, they have all kinds of like lottery tiebreakers that they go through. Basically, it's like a coin flip um, to see where you're going to finish in terms of, you know, overall odds if it's going to be one, two, or three. So, I mean, if you're really worried about the lottery odds, we're hoping that the Magic can separate themselves um, a little bit. Um, you know, I don't think anybody expects the Magic to win the rest of their, what is it, seven remaining games, Luke? Yeah. There's going to be some losses in there. Hopefully, Detroit, Houston, and OKC, those guys just win more games than we do. We're coming down to the to the nitty-gritty here. All right. Um, we did not yeah, have... Yeah, I, yeah. Were you going to add something? Uh, I was, I was maybe, you know, I was just kind of, <laughs> I know that the magic have a, a top, top, top 10, uh, hardest schedule remaining, I believe is what I saw. I think it's like number nine or something. Um, all tougher schedules than, than anybody else. Um, that's kind of in the running for the number one pick right now in the, you know, top three odds. 
But uh, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Like you said, a few percentage points. We'll get into that here uh, in, in a minute and, and kind of talk about that and break it down what that really looks like. But um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Well, speaking of the magic schedule, so coming up here, and now my internet just does not want to load whatsoever. But coming up uh, Monday, we'll be at Cleveland, seven o'clock. Wednesday, you're at Washington at seven o'clock. Friday, you're home for Toronto. Sunday, you're home for the New York Knicks. And then after that, to finish out the week or finish out the season, rather, Tuesday, April 5th, you're home for Cleveland. Thursday, April 7th, you're at Charlotte. And then Sunday, April 10th, you're at home, the last game of the season versus Miami. The game for that, the time for that game still hasn't been uh, announced. It's a little bit weird. I'm sure it's going to be five or six o'clock somewhere in there. But, uh, but yeah, you got a pretty tough schedule, you know, to finish out the year. We'll talk more about our predictions on this week and the rest of the season uh, towards the end of the show. But you're right, Luke. The Magic don't have an easy schedule the rest of the way here. So we did not have a Thursday show this week. Again, I was moving. Uh, we moved from my parents' house. We're now staying at my brother-in-law's as we prepare for uh, our baby to be born at the end of next month. We just need a little bit more room as we... Uh, wait to move into our you know eventual permanent uh, residence, but yeah, that's the the new look. That's why we didn't have a Thursday show, and that's why I'm exhausted, Luke. So we're gonna break down the games here. So first of all, Tuesday, you're at home versus the Golden State Warriors. Before this game, there was a tweet from uh, Andre Iguodala tweeting at the Magic that they needed to lower their ticket prices because Steph was not going to play. And I, my response was, do you guys lower prices at the Chase Center when Steph doesn't play? <laughs> of course you don't. So mind your own freaking business and keep it moving. The Magic are trying to you know, squeeze every last penny out of it as they can from this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Warriors come to town, you know, the prices rise a little bit. You know, cut us some freaking slack. Everybody does it. It's not like the Magic are, you know, in, inventing some kind of, pyramid scheme shout out to amway i mean let's just call it what it is but yeah anyways i don't really care for andre Godal anyways but i just thought that was stupid so the magic loot no and he doesn't care he doesn't care about us so it's all right oh no yeah he didn't it's not like he responded to the tweet i'm sure he didn't see it so it, no it i'm kind just saying he doesn't care is. about like the anybody besides like his circle anyway like you see him walking around like i was there for the golden state game a few years back when the when the warriors set the record for best regular season and you know he just came in with his hoodie head down didn't say anything to anybody he's iggy's what we call uh too cool for school uh and and he's always been that way and it's just uh you know so so we don't we don't care about him he doesn't care about us it's it's nothing new all right well Whatever he didn't play anyways. So, um, anyways, um, it, wait, is he is he still on the Warriors roster? He's 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 still there. He is technically yeah. on the Golden State roster. Well, he's 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 trash and old anyways. So, mind your own business, Andre Iguodala. <laughs> yeah, he was with Miami though. You were right. Like he left he left Golden State, went to Miami for two years, um, did nothing, and then is back with the Warriors. Who played twenty six games so far. Didn't he get traded to the Timberwolves? Wasn't he part of like the Andrew Wiggins for uh, D'Angelo Russell deal and then decided he just wasn't going to play for Minnesota and then got bought out or whatever? Or I think he got traded to to Miami. I don't know, but whatever. Forget yeah. that, dude. 
Warriors uh, did not have Steph Curry. You know, he's still dealing with the foot issue that he, um, you know, Marcus Smart literally dove at his foot a few weeks back. So no Steph Curry, but still very important, you know, formative game for, you know, the, the young Magic roster. Franz Wagner, 18 points. Wendell Carter, 19.7 of 12 from the floor. Cole Anthony, 14 points in this game. People that were complaining about this win, you know, the people that were kind of arguing with them was it, it wasn't like, you know, Gary Harris and, and Terrence Ross and Robin Lopez were leading the Magic to this win. It was the young guys that led the Magic to this win, Luke. And the argument that I put out there is this time of year, you know, a team where, yes, they have Andrew Wiggins, they have Draymond Green, they still have a, a Clay Thompson, although he hasn't exactly been himself since returning to the Warriors. But those are still guys who have, you know, they're battle-tested, have seen a lot in this league. And for your young guys to pull out a win over those guys, you know, here we are in March, if the Magic were still losing games the way that they were in October and November, we would have a lot more worries than what draft pick we're getting in this upcoming draft. If the Magic were still as bad as they were in October and November, um, it would be a, a much bigger reason to be worried about this team than who are we going to be able to draft in June. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, the the Warriors going into that game, Jonathan, like even Vegas knew, like it, they should have beaten us handily. I mean, they were favored by seven and a half and they were also in Orlando. So uh, not that Orlando is much of like a home court advantage type of scenario, but Vegas takes that into you know context when they put that, put out their lines. So Golden State being favored by seven and a half, I don't think that win was you know nothing. Like you said, there's a lot of people out there that wanted to discredit the win and say we should have lost the game. We 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 can get in percentage later, like I said, but in the grand scheme of things, I think that this does more for the Magic and that young core than it does for you know the lottery picture and where the Magic end up getting their pick at this year. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's talk about Oklahoma City. Um, <laughs> Wednesday, the second night of a back-to-back, the Magic again with the win at Oklahoma or at home against the Golden State Warriors, then fly to Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder. This, of course, was a rematch of last week's game, which was literally a tank-off. The tank-off continued no Wendell Carter Jr. in this game. Uh, Josh Giddy, we talked about this last week when we talked about the Thunder Luke, but he has now officially been ruled out for the rest of the season with hip soreness. Anybody with half a brain saw this. The best thing, Luke, is in between, I think it was Sunday that we played OKC and then Wednesday when we played them again. In between those games, the Oklahoma City Thunder played Miami and Shea Gilgis-Alexander played against the Heat but didn't play in either of the games against yeah. the Magic. Got into a little you know, tit-for-tat with some Oklahoma City bloggers on Twitter because I was saying that Sam Presti belonged in prison, and they thought I meant literally. i like, come on, it's not against the law to be <laughs> awful and to force your team to lose, but you know, it, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's not a good look. That's, that's kind of as much as I'll say about that. But going into this game, again, Jalen Suggs is still out. Uh, you did not have Wendell Carter Jr. in this game. You did not have Markel Fultz. It was the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, the Magic announced ahead of time that he would not be playing in the second game of this back-to-back. Uh, you still s- sit Gary Harris and Terrence Ross. You opt to go for Jeff Doughton, Admiral Schofield, and Ignis Brisdakis off of the bench. Jeff Doughton played 30 minutes in this game. 
Ignis Brasdakis, 22 minutes, 50 seconds. Admiral Schofield, 22 minutes, 53 seconds in this game. The Magic were just flat out trying to lose this game, Luke, and it being the second night of a back-to-back made it kind of easy to justify. Yeah, I mean, you 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 look at, like, you know, it, like you said, like, you look at OKC's, you know, roster them. Theo Maladon puts up 25 points in 32 minutes. Um, uh, Kreshke, 12 points, 11 boards. Like, their biggest, I mean, they were lifted by their bench, quite literally, because they were having to play the Magic's bench of G League players, essentially, aside from Mo Wagner. Um, they were, you know, just to put some context into it, their bench... Uh, a lot of their guys were in the negatives in their starting lineup, three out of the five, uh, besides Roby and uh, Poku. And then the bench was plus 25, plus 24, plus 33, uh, plus 22. While the magic, Ignis Brasdakis has one of the most, one of the worst plus minuses I've it's ever seen in my life. Minus 39. <laughs> minus 39. Mo Wagner, not much better. Minus 31. Admiral Schofield, minus 26. Dalton minus 22 uh, with the rest of the stars besides RJ Hampton in the positives for the plus minus. So it goes to show you, you know, um, the bench for OKC just absolutely uh, demolished the Magic's bench and uh, contributed to the the loss. So great job, guys. So Ignis Brisdakis entered the league in the 2019-2020 season as a 21-year-old rookie for the New York Knicks. He played in nine games that season. The following season, he played in 13 games. Last season, he played a little bit for the Knicks, some for the Philadelphia 76ers, eight games for the Magic last year. He's played in 35 games this season, more than the previous two seasons combined. I promise you, I feel so confident saying this, Luke. After this season, Ignis Brisdakis will never touch an NBA floor again. He's terrible. He is... He has to be one of the worst professional basketball players I have ever seen in my life. I know he's a very good G League mm-hmm. player. He belongs in mm-hmm. the G League. I I would be shocked if he ever signs another two-way contract or anything like that with any team maybe, in the NBA. Maybe this was a strategy, Jonathan. Maybe since OKC is going to be eternally tanking, I think... That maybe Brasdakis and his performance against OKC earned him a future spot on OKC's roster, so that they can you know That's sign the, the G League and then pull him up, pull him up for those tanking games that OKC plays for the rest of their lives. Because I hope the tanking thing doesn't work out for OKC, and I I hope they never rise to success for the next ten years. So we're wrong. gonna see starting backcourt next year for the Oklahoma City Thunder down the stretch of Vit Krejci and Ignis Brasdakis. That's that's the only thing that Sam Pressy can possibly do to tank any harder to make this any worse. Incredible. I'm sure Ignis Brasdakis is a fine fella. He would destroy us in basketball, obviously. But like comparatively, you, know, you we and are I are fine fellas as well. Garbage. But we also we we suck and wouldn't make it in the league. Just like Brasdakis, he's a great guy, just like you and me. Just just shouldn't I mean, be in the league anymore. Like in terms of just comparing him to NBA talent he is terrible he is not a good basketball player he is not he's a good mm-hmm. basketball player obviously he, you know he's in the NBA whatever but he's not an comparatively NBA player. you for you prefaced and I prefaced I just no. yeah you know, I don't want no. anybody in the comments being like oh my god he would kill you like yeah and I'll school you and your grandma what's up care. bro 
All right. Um, this was just a terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible game. The Magic, you know, they did what they had to do. We're not proud of it. Let's just move on. All right. Last game we're going to talk about, Luke, the Sacramento Kings. Now, before this game, mm. eight games left. As it stands now, there's seven games left. This is the part of the season where my where my eyes start rolling in the back of my head and my eyelids start kind of getting heavy <laughs> as I watch these games because you know we know that yeah. the results don't matter, but they do matter. They kind of matter. This game was actually kind of fun, uh, you know, for the Magic. You know, kind of back and forth for a lot of the game. I just want to fast forward to the fourth quarter, Luke, because if it wasn't purposefully tanking, um, well, first of all, if it was purposely tanking, just an absolute masterclass in tanking the last couple of minutes of this game. Mm-hmm. If not, a little slightly concerning for the young core because they literally wet the bed. Okay, so you are up. Cole Anthony hits a, a bank shot, okay, in the paint with two minutes, one second left to put the Magic up eight, 107 or 105 to 97. Two minutes, one second to go in this game. The Magic don't score the rest of regulation, okay? Jones hits a free throw for the Kings to pull them within seven. DiVincenzo hits a three to pull them within four, 58.9 to go. Franz misses a layup, okay? The Kings miss a couple of shots, keep getting offensive rebounds. Trey Lyles makes a layup with 21.5 to go. And you're like, okay, the way that this is going to go, Magic are going to inbound the ball, get fouled. It's going to be free throws the rest of the way. Cole Anthony, the ball gets inbounded to Cole Anthony. He's got Davion Mitchell on him. With 14.2 seconds left, gets it stripped in the, the backcourt. Mitchell wide just obviously runs right to the rim, lays the ball in, 12.9 seconds to go. Chuma Okiki gets a really good look at a three at the buzzer, misses it. The Magic go into overtime, and the Magic lose 114 to 110, Luke. With two minutes to go, you're up eight. I'm sure the winning percentage was probably something like 99 or 99.9% that the Magic are going to win this game. You win this <laughs> game 99 out of 100 times, Luke. And we saw the one instance. Like, this is just... Every yeah. now and then, I'll just add a little, like, something to my notes. Like, oh, another reason why we might be living in a simulation. And last night was another one. Okay, this never should happen, but let's let's do it. Ever <laughs> since 2020, it's like the whole world broke. Nothing makes sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Sure, the Magic up eight with two minutes left. Lost the game in overtime. Why the heck not? It was honestly very impressive. It was. And and you look at the similarities between the end of regulation and the end of overtime. Both times, it's Cole making that shot with two minutes to, in case of overtime, the case of overtime, minute 51 left in the game. Uh, and then they go on to uh, not score a bucket the rest of, of, the, of, of, the, of the game. So they do it in the fourth quarter. They do it in overtime, Jonathan. We see this so many times. Um, like we've seen it uh, more times than you really should, and from an NBA team in the regular season this year, where the Magic play good enough to be in the game, and then with two to three to four minutes left, even they just don't score a bucket. And it's like, what? What are we like? What exactly are we doing? You know, like what? What do I gotta do? 
to see some buckets scored in the final few minutes of these quarters because it looks like they just throw everything out the window. The other team starts to clamp up more defensively. The Magic start to make just dumber decisions. I don't know if, the, if it, is it them being young, Jonathan? Like I know these players don't want to lose these games, but and and and, and I would like to think that Mosley in some capacity, even though he's throwing out sometimes some weird lineups on the court, he's still like drawing things up like a real game like he should. So I don't know if it's just like they, they clam up because they're young and they don't know what they're doing, but it's like we, we can't do this forever. This has to go away. And and it does draw some concern for like the future of like these guys aren't getting great reps in the closing minutes. Like they've had some great, you know, some fun comebacks, but more often than not, there is a lot of games where they just don't score down the stretch, whether it be regulation or overtime. So Trey Lyles misses a three with 146 to go. Cole gets the rebound with 144 to go. At that moment, the Magic had a 98.3% chance of winning this game and lost the game in overtime. Obviously, the players are trying to win. I, I just don't know like what happened in this game. Like, yeah, Franz just you know misses a, a layup basically at the rim with 43 seconds to go. He makes that, puts the magic up again by six with 43 seconds to go, but he misses it. You know, you know now it's going the other way. And um, yeah, just like I think back, I don't want to compare the two. Obviously, they're very different, but T-Mac scoring, you know, 13 points in, you know, 30 seconds, right? Like everything has to go your way in that instance. And that is basically what happened. Like everything had to go the Kings way the last two minutes of this game and they did in dramatic fashion. Davion Mitchell steals that ball. I am just in complete and utter disbelief. I could not comprehend that that was actually happening in the moment. This is my thoughts, okay? Like, we look at OKC, and I I don't mean to keep ragging on OKC, but they're, like, tanking egregiously. The Magic are getting to the point where they're doing this egregiously, and I'm hoping that because we kind of played by the rules, like, the first... 70 to 72 games of this season that this time the basketball gods would be like you know what you guys try to be competitive at the end you realize you kind of had to do what you had to do so we're going to repay you with some you know nice bounces of the ping pong balls that's all I can hope for at this point because the magic are like you know what it's time to do what must be done and it's it's getting gross it's getting egregious you know looking you know at this Kings game you know, you start you yep. know, looking at the, the, the box score for the Magic. I mean, yeah, Cole, Chuma, uh, Franz, Moe, RJ Hampton, that lineup played a ton of minutes in this game. I mean, you do get 19 minutes out of Terrence Ross, but, you know, Jeff Doughton, 20 minutes. Robin Lopez, 20 minutes. It's like, I don't know, maybe the Magic were trying to win this game. We don't see Schofield. We don't see Brasdakis. We don't see Gary Harris. I know him and Terrence Ross are still doing this like kind of flip flop thing, whatever. Uh, but uh, but man, I mean, it's it's not like anybody for the Kings. Like maybe you can say Alex Len played the lights out. You know, fifteen points, six of eight from the floor. Dante Divincenzo, six of ten from the floor, sixteen points. Like I mean, this is a game. Obviously, the Magic could have won. You're up eight with two minutes left. A hundred. 99 out of 100 times yep. you win this game. And the Magic found a way to lose. And hopefully it's just kind of one of those things like Lady Luck kind of tipping her hat to the Magic. Like, hey, you're trying to win this game, but I'm, I'm going to help you out a little bit here. Yeah. 
put a little grease on those rims. So um, we'll kind of see, Luke. Let's let's talk about the lottery odds. I know you've got some stuff in front of you, and um, it, it's the hot topic on Twitter. It's getting people blocked. Um, you know, people are accusing me of of blocking <laughs> one individual in particular, um, because he was a pro tanker. I don't give a rat's you know what if you're pro tank. There's no reason to start calling people names and attacking people personally. If you do that, I don't want to see that crap in my timeline. You're getting blocked. Disagree with whoever you want. That's fine and dandy, but um, it's a hot topic, Luke, and it's uh, it, it's causing like another magic civil war. We saw this last year, but um, I know you've got the odds in front, the the odds in front of you. What are we looking at? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, looking at kind of the the lottery in terms of like your percentages, Jonathan, you would think that the dialogue that's happening amongst Magic fans, you would think that if the Magic you know, tie for the, you know, worst record in the league this year or get the worst record in the league this year, whatever it might be, you would think that that chance at a number one pick is like the chance to stay in the top four, which is at 52.1% um, compared to like dropping down to where OKC is with the second uh, best odds of getting that top pick um, compared to the top three worst teams in the league because they're just, everybody's coming at each other's throats about it. And it's like, I don't think you guys understand. Like, I don't think you guys have actually sat down and looked at percentages Right now, Orlando has a 14% chance to get that number one pick, Jonathan. And if they drop down to where OKC is and they kind of flip-flop spots, the Magic just go down a percent and a half. Like, this isn't substantial at all, Jonathan. And people are losing their minds about it. I get it. You want to have the best chance possible. But I saw, well, we all saw firsthand last year that having the best chance, the best odds, tie for the best odds at 14% doesn't matter. Like, it just, it doesn't. 14% is such a small percentage. Like, if you tell me anything in my life, Luke, you can go do that. There's a 14% chance it'll happen. Uh, but you could feel free to go do it. I'm be like, nah, like, I'm not doing it. I'm going to go do something that I have a much bigger percentage of getting, uh, you know, doing that, you know something else. Because it's just not that big of a percentage. So, I just don't understand it, truthfully, like, why people are so up in arms about it. At this point, Jonathan... The Magic are too far behind, like the fifth spot Indiana Pacers, who have like uh, the the fifth worst record in the league. That it's just not really feasible, especially with the strength of schedule remaining for the Magic. That they're going to get down to that spot where Indiana is, which is uh, still, by the way, uh, a ten and a half percent chance instead of a fourteen percent chance. That number one pick. The biggest difference that I think it makes, Jonathan, from like the, the from where Orlando is now to like the Indiana spot is the top four percentage. Right, you're at fifty two point one percent. Uh, chance right now and stay in the top four and if you drop down um, to where Indiana is right now you'd go down 10% to 42.1 but yet you still only like a three and a half percent difference in that number one pick spot so there's not a huge spot but all I'm saying is that's not feasible I think that the lowest the magic can get is Oklahoma City range right now which will put them at 12 and a half percent instead of 14 percent for that number one pick and 48.1 percent at top four uh, instead of 52.1 still basically a coin flip both two percent away from that 50 percent number I don't think that the rest of this season really is that big of a deal for people to be getting in huge arguments on Twitter about if the magic should be losing games or not I'd rather win those games yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. I know, like you said, you know, the Magic have one of the toughest remaining schedules in the league. Houston um, has a you know top six easiest schedule 
in the league. And then Detroit's a, a few spots below us. We're at nine. Detroit's at 11. Um, Houston's at 25. Oklahoma City's at 22. So you do have a chance that Oklahoma City and you know, especially Houston might pick up a couple of wins towards the end here. Maybe you get lucky and Detroit does as well. They almost got one tonight against the Knicks. But I'm right there with you. I don't think it's worth burning down all of Magic Twitter over a, over a win or what you know you thought should have been a loss, whatever the case may be. And what people are arguing is that you know the higher you finish in terms of the draft order, the you know the the higher I guess you can fall. You know if you end up number one, worst case scenario, you know you can fall down to you know number five. So uh, right now the Magic at two could fall to six which would really be a crappy scenario. You know, last year, the Magic, uh, I think, finished in number three, and we f- fell down to five. Uh, you know, we're really, it, it's a crapshoot. The draft lottery now with the odds, you know, since they've been changed, it's a total crapshoot. You just really have to sit and hope and pray that you get lucky. And my perspective is now at this point, you know, the Magic did the best they could for most of the season to stay competitive. Yeah, now they're trying to crap the bed a little bit, it seems, with some of these lineups and you know rosters that are being trotted out there. But I am hoping that what we have endured this season, you know, last last year it was two months, and we're like, man, tanking for two months, it might make everything worth it. This season it's been six months, and even longer than that. We knew this was coming, and we've endured it this entire season. And for us, I'm hoping that it pays off. Teams like like Oklahoma City is tanking. You guys already have a potential. All NBA caliber player in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Stop wasting him. Detroit ended up with the number one overall pick last year. Houston ended up with the number two overall pick. Seems like each team kind of got their guy. Um, it, it's our turn. It's our turn for Orlando to jump into the top of the lottery there, and you know have their 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 picking of a of a young stud to bring to the Magic. So, all right, Luke. The last thing that I wanted to talk about. We are releasing an article today. Uh, from our very own Ryan Brock, the article, the name of the article, the title is Ranking the Most Important Players of the Magic's Future. Now, Ryan had um, all of us from the six-man show, myself, Luke, Kevin, Tim Jones, Ryan Brock as well. We all listed you know, one through eight of what we thought were like the young core of the Orlando Magic. If you want to see kind of the average, um, I'll let you guys go ahead go ahead and check out that article. It's up on our website now, thesixmanshow.com. But I just wanted me and Luke talk a little bit about our core and, and why we ranked guys uh, the way that we ranked them. So, Luke, um, do you want to start with number one and, and tell us who your most important player is for the Magic's young core? Or do we want to start at eight? Do we want to work our way up from the bottom? Oh, uh, there's there's some spicy stuff there at the bottom, Jonathan. I don't. I, it doesn't matter to me what we do. Um, I'm pulling up my rankings right now. Let's um, start at the top. We can start at the top. Okay, I'm finding them. Um, okay, got it. All right. So yeah, my top, Jonathan. Do you want to go like one for one, or do you want to go like we list top three, or do you just want to kind of react as we go? I mean, what what do you what do you? Let's what are you go one for one. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So my number one. Is is who I affectionately call Win Daddy Carter Jr. He he is my number one piece here. I I love the guy. He's gotten the heart of a lot of Magic fans this year. I think that he is very consistent. 
I think that, you know, he even though he might not end up being the best Jonathan, I think that we can look at him down the road and say he was the most he was one of the most pivotal, if not the most pivotal, just because he is so consistent. Uh, someone you can rely on every night, does the little things well, makes everybody around him better. Uh, I've got Win Daddy Jr. Uh, in the uh, top spot there. So Wendell Carter comes in at number two for me. Number one for me is Franz Wagner. Um, as much of a leap as Wendell has made, um, obviously rookie year for Franz has been incredible. He should be in the discussion for rookie of the year. You know, he's kind of cooled off as of late. Maybe he doesn't finish, you know, as the rookie of the year, but should definitely be in the conversation. I don't think he should finish any lower than two or, or maybe three. I think that's up for debate, but I think that he has shown so far this season that he is the guy with the highest ceiling on the team. Um, he's been incredible exceeded all expectations especially in terms of his offensive ability I think he's shown that you know he can get to the rim whenever he wants if he can hit the mid-range a little bit more he's shown the potential to be able to knock down threes as well open threes catch and shoot off the dribble he's kind of got all of the moves there can uh, attack mismatches and and slower guys that are guarding him Um, but I've got Wendell Carter at number two for all of the reasons that you just listed. Let's talk about number three, Luke. Who is your number three? It's a little controversial, I think. Yeah, my number three, Jonathan, is another uh, another Jonathan. People uh, are trying to forget about him or can't seem to stop talking about him. It's really one way or the other. Uh, and Jonathan Isaac as my number three uh, most important player of this rebuild and as those the, the young core of those of these guys. I think J.I. is a leader, uh, I, you know, politics aside, everything outside of basketball aside. I think J.I. truly is a, a leader in the locker room. We've seen him do things like organize that young core, essentially that basketball, that, that team trip to Charleston or the Chuck, as they called it, um, back during the offseason. I think J.I. is a guy, is a guy that takes initiative um, with his teammates on and off the court. Um, I, I think that there's, you know, stuff left in the tank for him, obviously. He's very young, but everybody's talking about him like, like these injuries are going to keep him out forever. And while it's it's easy to become pessimistic about J.I. Um, you know, in his play on the court, or his time off the court, I should say, in terms of like his injury, rehab, all that kind of stuff, his play on the court, man, I think that he showed us in the bubble what he can be. I'm hoping that he has now enough time to kind of get through, um, you know, rehab through those injuries. I think J.I. could easily be in this top three spot, and we could look back on it and and probably come to the conclusion that it's a it's a good choice I wanted to wait until this point in the podcast when Jonathan got brought up in terms of the core to go over what we've learned this week so earlier this week or last week now that you're listening to this on Monday it was announced that after a few Tuesdays ago when the magic came out and officially announced that Jonathan Isaac was going to be out for the rest of the year and they said that he had no setbacks so far through his rehab Apparently, later that day, Jonathan suffered some kind of minor hamstring injury, and he underwent a minor surgical procedure uh, to help the right hamstring heal. It's the opposite leg of the ACL. The theory is maybe he was trying to overcompensate there, injured the hamstring. Uh, The Magic said it's still the expectation that he should be back for the beginning of next season. And now, obviously, his future and his health is coming more into question 
I do think it's fair at this time. Um, I believe we actually did these rankings before the news of the injury came out, Luke. Um, so I actually have Jalen Suggs at number three. I have Jonathan Isaac a little bit further uh, down the list. But um, Luke, what what are your thoughts on on the new injury with Ji before we move on here? Um, I'll I'll preface with I'm I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I don't know what any of it means. So I'm not gonna speak on it. Like if this is what they you know they're saying and 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 whatever it is, I'm just ready for next season, Jonathan. I don't even care to like talk about the the uncovered uh, injury. Um, I know you did some research. You went out of your way to do that. You did your due diligence. I did not. Um, I just know that he is not going to be back till next year, and I'm hoping that uh, he is there on opening night in that starting lineup without a minutes restriction. And people are now. You know, kind of, and it makes sense calling into question, you know, the the truth of the statements that Jonathan Isaac and Jeff Weltman gave, you know, a couple of Tuesdays ago, where you know they came out and said, oh, he hasn't suffered any setbacks. One thing that I know about Jonathan Isaac, I know Jonathan's not a liar. If he had a setback before that, I I don't see him lying to the the media about that. I don't see Jeff Weltman just flat out lying to the media about that. It does seem like a crazy coincidence. It sucks. It kind of feels like the team is cursed in a sense, but it is what it is. I think the Magic are at the point, Luke, where you can no longer assume that you're moving forward with Jonathan Isaac. I feel like you have to you know, kind of operate with the notion that you don't know what's going to happen with J.I., and you almost have to operate as if you wouldn't have him. As much as it sucks to say that, just we've, we've seen enough now. You know, he's, he's kind of had a, a, a setback in the in, in the injury rehab now obviously and you just have to operate in the future like you're not going to have Jonathan Isaac and if you do it completely changes the outlook of this team but I, I don't think it would be responsible to operate you know assuming that you're going to have J.I. as as unfortunate as that is but let's get back to the the list here Luke so number three, I have Jalen Suggs. Obviously, the Magic took him this season with the fifth pick in the draft. Uh, we saw him show flashes of being a delete, uh, an, uh, delete, an elite on-ball defender uh, in Jalen Suggs. Showed some flashes offensively. Needs to get in the gym and come back next season with a three-point shot. Tighten the handle up a little bit. But I do think Jalen Suggs is still super, super talented and shows tons of potential on both ends of the floor. Luke, who do you have at number four? We actually have the same number four, so I'll let you take the floor here. Yeah, uh, my number four is Markel Nagai Fultz. Um, back in the lineup has been um, showing some great flashes Flashes when he does play. I, I think that, you know, it's not necessarily like, obviously you might look at, at Markel's stats, you know, from his time in Orlando and just say, how could you have him at number four over a guy like a Jalen Suggs, um, who I have at number five, right? Like, how can you have him over Jalen Suggs? For me, it comes with the fact that I've seen how much this team turns around when Markel Fultz is on the court. Uh, I also, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not like super high to defend Jalen Suggs in a lot of scenarios, right? Like, I, I think he is a great defender. I just don't know yet what he's going to become. I think there is more uncertainty about Jalen Suggs 
than there is Markel Fultz. I think Markel Fultz's impact goes beyond his shot. I think Jalen Suggs absolutely needs to develop a three-point shot. Where with Markel, I'm not. I don't think he has to. Um, but but I think that Jalen Suggs, in order for me um, to 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 have him higher on this board, I would have need, needed to see more from him this year. Um, Markel, just what I know about him, obviously Markel's got the advantage because I've seen a little bit more from him. Um, but but also at the same time. I just have seen the impact that Markel has on the court. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that's why Kel's in my four spot. Yeah, I think I still have Jalen just a, a, a touch above Markel Fultz just because um, I feel pretty confident in saying we're we're kind of seeing or we're pretty close to uh, what's going to be the three-point shooting of Markel Fultz. Um, you know, it, he's probably never going to be the guy that he was at Washington. Jalen, you know, definitely needs to improve in that area. But I think the the paths forward for either of those guys becoming a really good three-point shooter, Jalen definitely has a, a more clear path to that. And I think if that opens up for Jalen Suggs, it's going to open up the rest of his game. We already know offense, uh, defensively he's going to be elite. Um, so I think if Jalen Suggs can round out the offensive game a bit, we're looking at a guy that could very easily be an all-star. Markel Fultz at number four, I still have him as a guy who has a path forward to becoming an all-star. Um, obviously, you know, capable defender, mm. great playmaker. If he can get to the, you know, 18 to 20 points scoring a game in the Magic or competitive in the East, I think there's still a path for Markel to become an all-star. People love him. They love the name. They love the story. Still think there's a, a path for that for Markel, but just... Um, Jalen is younger and and I think still has a little bit more upside, but I'm right there with you. Number four with Markel Fultz. Um, number five, we've already talked about you know Jonathan Isaac, but I have Jonathan Isaac still you know part of the core. I still think he if he can come back and is healthy, he's a total game changer for this franchise. Um, if it wasn't for the health, I would probably have Jonathan you know number two or or potentially number one on this list, Luke. Um, but you have Jalen number five. I know you just talked about him a little bit. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add or if you want to get into uh, to number six. Um, no, I mean, I, I think that's that's pretty much my summation of Jalen Suggs. He's a great defender, just needs to kind of fine-tune some things as any rookie does. Um, just didn't see as much out of him this year as, as I would have hoped. Uh, for a number five I think he a number five pick in the draft especially who was projected to go four but um, I think that Franz and and what he has done this year really has kind of put a damper on Jalen Suggs in his rookie year um, comparatively right like it's hard not to put them side by side all the time and for me Franz is obviously in a higher point he's my number two on the list uh, and I think that that Jalen has a, a path to to become you know, a great basketball player. Uh, he's got the, you know, he's got some of the tools already. He's just got to put some things together. So I, I think that it's really all I have to add about Suggs at my number five. Number six, Luke, we have the same player, Cole Anthony. Do you want to take the floor? Uh, yeah, I think it's funny. And it's how the NBA season works. It's such a long season. If you ask us this question, like if we are writing this 20 games into the season and and um and ryan does a good job of you know framing up obviously the explanation for all of these so definitely go check it out but 
but you know, if you look at kind of his 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 splits from the first, you know, twenty games, we've done that enough. I don't need to explain that to you guys. His shooting splits were so much better at the beginning, you know, or were were better. His three point percentage mainly was the biggest split. We talked into that last week, where like his field goal percentage is a lot greater um, than it is now, but it also that three point percentage is a little bit better there than than was a little bit better there than where it is now. Um, we've kind of seen this dip from Cole. So if we were to do this. You know, before the sea or like twenty games into the season, I think that it it wouldn't have been outlandish to say Cole was number one on that list. Um, I remember there was a point where I was basically I was ready to say, and I think a lot of us were, Cole is the best player on this team. And now it, it is pretty sad to look at this list and see Cole dropping to six on my list, where he definitely was at one. Um, so with Cole, man, it, it's just a roller coaster with him. I'm sure he feels the same way. His uh, just his shooting just isn't effective enough. I think he is a solid sixth man candidate um, for any you know good NBA team. I think that he could absolutely come off the bench, provide a spark, get a run going, get their team back into the game single handedly. He has that potential, uh, but I just don't see it enough for for me to put him any higher than six on this list, Jonathan. Yeah, I think if you look at you know Jalen and and Cole, and you just kind of look at uh, obviously Jalen is the bigger guy, you know, he's stronger, a little bit faster. Um, both have their struggles shooting the ball right now, Jalen more so than Cole. Um, but I think just the eye test tells me that especially Jalen having the potential to be an elite on ball defender, Jalen just projects uh, a little bit more successful for me in terms of a long-term starter in the league with Cole, the offense, it, it just is what it is. It's a little bit too erratic, um, now if he comes back, you know, next season and is looking like he did at the beginning of this season and is somewhere, you know, 36 to 37%, um, as a three point shooter, I think that is going to do wonders for Cole. Uh, I think right now that's the big part missing from his game is just knocking down the three ball efficiently, you know, still able to get to the rim. You know, he's shown that he can improve as a finisher around the rim and in terms of, you know, developing a floater, I think that was one of the developments that we saw earlier in the season that's kind of died off a little bit he was finishing really efficiently at the rim to to start the season um but we've seen flashes of that that he can improve I don't know if it's you know uh in, in his head at this point I don't know if it's you know mental psychological whatever the case may be but Cole is not playing up to the level that he was at the beginning of the season and if what we've seen the last 50 some odd games from Cole is any indication um, if this is more who he is than you know the first 20 games or so of the season, I'm right there with you. Cole is definitely more of the six-man kind of spark plug off the bench. Luke, we again have the same player at seven. We have Chuma Okiki. Mm. Uh, Chuma, I guess I'll take the floor on this one. Um, Chuma, again, st- yeah. slow start to the season kind of with the hip injury, uh, but it's really come along really, really nicely. Multifaceted player, great defender, capable shooter, capable playmaker as well. You know, he's kind of showing us bits and flashes of why we called him baby Kawhi last season uh, as a rookie. Uh, But Chuma, you know, still needs to become, you know, more consistent. I think we all can agree on that. Um, But the playmaking, the basketball IQ, the defense is always going to keep him, I think, as a quality role player in the NBA. And if he can continue to develop the three-point shot and, consistently be around 37 38% somewhere around there he's could be one of the better 3 and D players a little bit of playmaking in the league Luke what about you what do you think of Chuma 
Um, I, I think that, you know, it's been no secret. I've not been the highest on Chuma throughout the year, right? I mean, there's been times where like I've I've been, you know, more than willing to give him his props on, on the show, but at the same time, I'm always willing to supply kind of the negative side of things with Chuma. I think that if you look at like his last twenty games, he is great at the three ball right now. Like he is shooting thirty six percent in his last twenty games on six attempts a game. But on the flip side, almost nine field goal attempts a game, shooting thirty seven percent, uh thirty seven point five percent from the field. Defensively, he gives you a lot, right? But unfortunately, this is a game that requires you to play both sides of the ball. And Truma just isn't a guy that I could see putting over any of these guys that we've listed prior. Obviously, you feel the same way. Um, now, the the beauty of this, Jonathan, is that you and I could revisit this next year at the same time. And we very well, maybe we do. Maybe that's an episode, Jonathan, that we set up you know, a year from now just kind of to look back on, see where we stand now and see man, we were stupid for having that, like, you know, this guy here on this list. We should have had this guy lower or higher. That's the beauty of this, is that we can look back and admit that, like, we didn't see it at the time, but now Chuma maybe jumps up a couple pegs next year. Um, but as of now, from what I've seen with Chuma, I'm going to keep him at number seven. He doesn't really, like, blow me away by any means, uh, but he is a solid player. He is a um, above-average defender. Um, he just needs to put it more, you know, more together in terms of driving to the basket, getting around the rim, and finishing there as well. And who do you have number eight, our last spot? Our last spot. Uh, this is gonna. Some of you guys might be like, start yelling at your at your car, you know, your car radio, and you hear me say this. My last spot is uh, R.J. Hampton, and um, that's where my list runs out, Jonathan. R.J. Hampton at number eight. Uh... I went Mo Wagner. Um, you know, I like what we've seen out of R.J. Hampton at times in terms of like the catch and shoot ability. You know, some of the defensive potential that he's shown. But for me, that's kind of where it ends with R.J. Hampton. Uh, obviously, super athletic kid hasn't quite figured mm. out how to use it, and, and that's kind of what keeps him off of my list here. Mo Wagner, you know what you're getting from Mo every single night. You're bringing an edge that I'm not sure any other guy on the Magic brings. You're bringing energy that you're going to get every single night. You know, he can shoot the ball a little bit. He can defend and rebound a little bit as well. Um, but really just the swagger, the confidence, and the edge that he brings, I feel like he's just infectious for the other guys when they're on the floor. I feel like the only other guy that you might be able to say that about is Cole Anthony, which I do think uh, you know, that carries a lot of value for me in terms of the culture of this team and guys that you need in the locker room. I think Moe's also been great for Franz Wagner this year. Um, the Magic have the opportunity to um, bring Mo back next year. Uh, they also have the ability to um, waive him. Uh, you know, b before I think it's June sixth of this year. I might have that uh, wrong, um, but his second year is not fully guaranteed. So I'm hoping the Magic do bring him back. But RJ, you know, it's just too wishy washy for me. You never know what you're getting from RJ on a given night. The shooting's been there, but. Basically everything else, you just don't know what you're going to get from R.J. Hampton on a given night. Luke, there's one player in particular. I want to give you about 30 seconds that we left off the list, Mo Bamba. Yeah, Mo for me, man, I, it just feels kind of like a, a, a good as gone situation, to be honest. And that's that's no intel, obviously, because the, the front office doesn't put anything out. But I just feel like he doesn't give you enough. I mean, the man is, you know, seven foot plus. He's huge. 
I can't de- I can't depend on him in the post by any means. We've seen it many times. We've said it so many times on the show. It seems like there's a mismatch um, with any other seven footer in the league. You called a mismatch. It's not one. He passes out of the post. He misses the shot. Can't take advantage of it. He if you like a guy who just sits out at the three point line and can hit threes, then great. But Mo Bamba on the court as a seven footer, uh, being that big, he needs to be able to guy be a guy that you can depend on in the post. I think defensively he's a great shot blocker. I think he alters shots. I don't think he's a good defender. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I just didn't put him on the list. And and I, I did want to add one thing to this, Jonathan, not with in regard to Mo really, but just like this list, right? I mean, it is a long list. Uh, you could stretch this out to to Mo Wagner and and Mo Bamba and make this a ten player list. The reality is, all ten of these guys aren't going to be on the team for this rebuild. There's going, they're going to have to cut ties. They're going to have to bring veterans, and I hope they bring veterans in. Um, so me, I'm not high on RJ Hampton at all. I just don't feel one way or the other really about RJ Hampton. Um, then you know, Mo Bomb, I, I don't really like watching RJ Hampton play, so I guess I do feel some type of way about RJ Hampton. But when it comes to Mo Bamba, I, I just think that like he's going to be out the door maybe a little bit sooner. Um, RJ might be just like last guy on the bench, maybe really doesn't play much at all. And uh, yeah, I, I think that the reality is, Jonathan, all these guys aren't going to be on the roster for, for long term. Magic are going to have to make decisions. I don't see RJ Hampton in those terms. I don't see Mo Bamba in those plans. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind Mo Wagner in those plans. So maybe I should have put Mo Wagner at eight, to be honest. For what it's worth, um, if this went to nine, I probably would have Mo Bamba at nine. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. we've said this a million times on this show. He just haven't, hasn't shown enough, uh, frequent enough. The future is set at the center position for the Orlando Magic and Wendell Carter Jr. I don't think there's anybody mm-hmm. that would argue that at this point. And, uh, yeah, I don't see Mo Bamba as accepting a, a bench role um, you know, no. here in Orlando. And, um, yeah, I mean, maybe he can be part of the future of this team. I wouldn't say he's part of the core. I do feel like Mo is replaceable in a sense. Maybe you don't get a guy that's as impactful as a shot blocker, but I think you probably could go out and find a backup center that's a bit more of a better, uh, you know, one-on-one defender and is able to kind of prop the defense up that way. So that is basically going to conclude our list, uh, Luke. The last thing I want to do is just take a look at the week ahead. Again, Monday at Cleveland, Wednesday at Washington, Friday at home versus Toronto, Sunday at home versus the New York Knicks. What do you think happens? I think. Uh, I- I think the Magic go 0 and 3 this week, Jonathan. It's been a while since I've given the Magic an 0 for. The tankers are salivating over that percent and a half at that number one pick, and me saying that they're gonna go, uh, that they're gonna lose these games this week. Um, you play, you know, you play the Knicks. I, I think that you've beat the Knicks enough times this year. I think that the Knicks aren't gonna have it again. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be kind of a, a pride thing for the Knicks not to have a losing record to the Magic this year. Yeah, I, there, so there's four games, actually, Luke. You said 0-3 there, but there's 0-4. four games this week. Um, I think the Magic, at this point, you know, they've kind of showed their hand. I, I'm probably right there with you. I think the Magic are going to do whatever they need to to end up to lose these games. If we don't see Wendell Carter for the rest of the year, I wouldn't be you know too you know, um, surprised by that. If we don't see Jalen Suggs for the rest of the year, I wouldn't be surprised about that. If we start to see guys like Gary Harris and Terrence Ross both sit out these games. Wouldn't be surprised about that. The only thing that I think is for certain is if Franz Wagner is healthy enough to go, 
these last seven games. I think we do see him play. I think he's going to try to go for all 82 games, which would be a heck of an achievement, especially for a rookie. And I'm actually, that's one of the main things I'm rooting for the rest of the way. Health, obviously, but hopefully we can get Franz Wagner healthy to the finish line to start and play in all 82 of these games. I think that would be awesome, Luke. Anything else? No, that's it for me. All right. All right. Well, you guys are listening to the Six Man Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, uh, for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to the Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.